0: hello and welcome to a star to steer her by a star trek podcast brought to you by the nebraska state patrol (laughs) if you're in nebraska and you're on the highway and you're speeding you may be harassed by the nebraska state patrol nebraska state patrol it's the state patrol of nebraska this
1: is going to end up prescient and i don't want to know why
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just because for some reason Facebook thinks I really want to be a fan of the Nebraska State Patrol because they've shown me three ads for them. I don't know why, but it's what it's doing. Anyway, as mentioned, this is A Star to Steer Her By. My name's Jake, and I'm joined today by...
2: Chris, who Facebook once thought was a farmer.
1: Ames, who Facebook keeps showing me toys for children. Caitlin, who is also on Facebook. <laughs>
3: And Carl, who lives in a c- uh, concealed carry state and is very sad about that.
1: Oh, God, your Facebook ads must be bad. Yeah. See, at least the kids' toys all look fun. Like, some of them I actually end up clicking through and looking at because they do look fun. No, so to that's be like fair, if I ads. were a
0: kid, a concealed carry gun would probably be pretty fun. A concealed carry, <laughs> uh, like, a super soaker. It wouldn't
2: have a lot of water in it, but as you whip out this tiny... <laughs>
4: it like slips down your your shirt okay but here's what i would posit i would posit that if you're really good at concealed carry you don't need a license for it because they're never gonna find it that's true right i mean i'm not trying to give anybody any ideas any of our really huge pro-gun star trek fans that would be ridiculous can you imagine if like Sort of like when in Star Trek shitposting, someone turns up to, like, bitch about today's, like, liberal politics and political correctness, and they're like, have you seen the show? But it would be (laughs) incredible to, like, be a hardened Republican and be, like, listening to
1: our podcast. We need a stun setting is basically what it boils down to. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great.
2: having said that, like I said, my sister lives in the Pacific Northwest, and, uh... I
4: thought you were going to say
1: the Pacific Ocean.
2: (laughs) Everyone there, regardless of their politics, fucking loves guns. Weird. And I was right. gonna
4: say, Ames, we do have a stun setting, but sometimes stupid idiot cops get them mixed up with their not stun settings. Touche.
3: Yeah, that was that was crap. Yeah. Still bullshit.
4: People fucking speaking, suck.
1: Of, speaking of crap, we got some DS9 to talk about.
3: Yes. Yeah, we do
0: have some DS9 to talk about.
1: Yeah, but the crap
4: is coming next week, Ames.
0: Mm. Uh, mm. Well, in this week, though, we will be talking about two episodes of Deep face nine, the reckoning and v- valiant. V- Vail- the one that starts with a V.
4: The most wow. punchable face in the galaxy. And
2: Viger. Oh, it's been a uh, while since we got a mispronouncing the title gag out Attic- of Jake. Hey. A-
0: So anyway, first, in what? the Reconning.
4: <laughs> what joke? That's how it's pronounced.
0: Yeah, seriously, dude. Sabotage. In the reckoning. It's a regular old day on Deep Space Nine. I really don't remember the cold open on this one, I'm gonna admit. But I do remember that Cisco gets a call from uh or the uh people excavating El Dorado on Bajor, <laughs> and they're like, hey, Siski boy we found uh some shit you might be into why don't you head down here so he goes with kira and jake and jake's gonna write a story about it but there's bats or something or big spiders i don't remember yeah everything's fucked up on Bezor, okay there's bats and big spiders just stay away um, but do they
4: have bajoran rabies on the bats
3: i don't know i, don't I know. wondered about that did
0: you uh yeah so uh, they get there, and there's there. This memory this is the city that uh, that Cisco helped discover previously, the ancient Bajoran city. Well, they've they've gone beneath it. They found another city beneath it's the other. It's
1: cities all the way down. Yeah, he I mean, built a like,
4: castle, and it sank. I
0: mean, I'll t- I'll talk later <laughs> about like how actually that's legitimate and a real thing. Um, but anyway, hmm, um, fun. so there's a second ancient city under the original ancient city. And this ancient city is even ancienter. Um, <laughs> and they find there's a tablet there, a stone tablet that says, yo, Cisco, what up? And Cisco's like, holy shit, how did it know I would be here? And then the prophets show up and they're like, Cisco, take the tablet back to the station with you. It'll be a good idea. <laughs> Nothing bad will come of it.
4: Wait, that didn't happen.
0: <laughs> And then, they sh- and then they throw him across the room into a wall. And he's like, yep, got to take the tablet back with me. <clears throat> so he does. He's got it back at the station. He's doing, you know, he's got, put Dax in charge of figuring For out reasons. what it actually God says. damn it. And Dax is like, why do I always get these stupid pet projects of Benjamin's? She's decoding the, the secrets of it. And while she's doing that, who shows up at everyone's favorite space pope, Kai Winn. And Kai Winn is like... Hey Cisco, I heard you stole some ancient artifacts. You know the whole pillaging thing. That that uh, that's a bit of a sorry subject with us. So uh, could you think you could? Uh, I don't know, give it back? And he's like, Yeah, when well, I'm done with it. And then uh, you know, so he various things happen. Oh, the, yeah. By the way, there's plague and pestilence now on Bejor since. Cisco stole the artifact. Like the wormholes going crazy. The Rakantha province has always got shit going on, but it's extra bad. Always yeah. the
2: Rakantha there, province.
0: There's like the, the the old man yells at Cloud Village has like three extra clouds all no! of a sudden. It's just it's a nightmare.
1: <laughs> to be fair, all this sounds like normal Bajoran yeah, Exactly. I
0: don't know what they're all upset about. It's like this is a Wednesday. <laughs> but anyway, Kai wins. Like you know, Benjamin Child all this is happening because you pillaged the fucking ancient site. So please bring the thing back. And he's like, fine, mom, I'll bring it back. Don't worry about it. And then he has a little hissy fit, throws the thing into a wall and destroying it to which Kai Wynn is like, uh, (laughs) piece of fucking shit. Why am I the one that the fans hate when this <laughs> fucking piece of shit just goes around destroying everything? God damn it. And it turns out though that what he actually did when he broke the tablet was exactly what he was supposed to do, according to the prophets, because it released two a prophets. Yeah, two ghosts, two entities, a prophets, the good the good guys, which are obviously blue colored, yep. and the evil guys, which are orange colored. Someone so called a pa Beth Rae, Crusher. She the Coast Emogen, the one evil one. One tastes
4: like one. raspberries and the other like oranges.
0: And uh, we find out that, oh, this whole thing is about the reckoning. And this is a uh, foretold in the prophecies that a prophet and the pa-rays will have, who who are like the, the prophets that were cast out, they're going to have a big, big old fight. And uh, whoever wins will decide the fate of Bejor. And they're going to have this showdown on the station. And Cisco's like, well, shit. That's a bad idea, but I guess we're gonna have to do it. Uh, we better evacuate the station. They're like, well, Benjamin, why don't we just, you know, poison them so they, you know, so they'll leave. And he's like, Yeah, I don't want to piss off the almighty wormhole aliens. And uh, They so like, like me okay, at the well, moment. You know what? Just in case we're gonna leave the big red button that floods the promenade with with profit poison. We're just going to leave that button right here just in case, you know, if you want to do it, just break glass, hit the button, you'll be all set. So Cisco's like, all right, fine, but don't worry, I'm not going to do it, just evacuate. Well, we get down the promenade, turns out the Traveler has come, (laughs) they chose the form of the Destructor, and it was Major Kira, and then we find out that they chose the other form of the Destructor, and it's Jake. So the Prophet took over Kira's body, and the Pa Wraith took over Jake's body, so now Cisco's like, God damn it. I want Kira to win, because the prophets are the good guys, but I also don't want my son to die, but I guess I have to let this play out.
1: Not even! He was like, yeah, go ahead, see if, see what happens, let's see how this yeah. goes.
0: The prophets Tell won't let anything Cisco. bad happen to Jake, to which Dax is like, you remember that the prophets let bad shit happen all the time, and they specifically told you they were going to exact a penance last time you saw them, so maybe just uh, hedge your bets, maybe turn the profit poison machine on. And he's like, no, we're going to let it play out. So then they have this like Naruto anime battle with like (laughs) energy beams blasting each other and tug of war of energies. The least
1: tense fight I've ever seen. It must
0: have been the most boring scene to film because without, without the special effects, it's just... Nana I have a great and shirak standing across from each other, making like fucking constipation face. faces yes! at each other.
2: I can't imagine how many takes it must have taken because they must have kept just bursting out laughing.
1: True. Yeah. That is anyway, exactly what Nana um, has said. So
0: <laughs> it's looking ba- it's looking bad for Team Pyrate, but just at that moment, Kai win. Realizing Bitch. that she's not currently the center of attention, <laughs> turned on the prophet poison machine and ended the battle prematurely. And the power wraith and the prophet left. And
1: where they the go? reckoning
0: is unresolved, no, wait, so we don't where, know.
1: But where did they go?
0: They just Some went away.
1: Space. Okay.
2: Well, presumably the prophet went to the wormhole, and the power wraith went to the fire caves. Yeah,
0: whatever.
4: And uh, they do. I'm sure this will have no. Uh... We're Blasting not going to... That's the last we hear of that, right? This isn't going to... Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Those chickens will
4: back.
2: never come home to roost. Yes, this <laughs> this will in no way affect the rest of the series.
4: Yeah, that's what I figured. Good. Glad to hear it. So actually, we really don't even have that much more to talk about. No. Yeah. yeah. That, that's mean, let's it. move on that to the next... That was pretty much just it. <laughs> let's just move on to the Valiant, <laughs> then. No.
2: Okay. Before we get into serious shit, Uh-oh. Jake's outfit in the last scene was... Fucking great.
4: Is it the same one as he has on in Valiant? Yeah, the
2: like with the brown vest, the purple shirt. And oh, was it like, purple
4: or was it like really dark blue?
2: One or the other, yeah.
4: Mm. Yeah, it looks it. great. He's That boy is like six and a half feet tall. Not even actually, I guess. He's a man now. Still think of him as young Jake. But he's like wicked tall, tall and like everyone else. And they finally figured out how to dress him. They said, we're going to stop making you put on Wesley's, like, fucking ugly sweater cast-offs.
2: Yeah, no, the the outfit they put him in, is it's really well tailored. It's a nice combo combo of colors. It looks really good on him.
4: And it also looks like normal clothes. Like, I hope I hope mm. he, like, stole those when he left. Like, the mm. last day of filming, he was just like,
1: yoink. Nope, he kept growing, like, several more feet tall, and he grew out of them because he's it's that true. tall. It's true. He's 12 and a half
4: feet tall today. Yep. tallest man alive.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's dating that uh tall Russian
4: lady. Oh, the model? Yeah. Who also used to play basketball? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, model basketball. That sounds hot. It is. She's a good-looking lady. I'll uh, look it up. We can put it in the notes.
2: Cool. So, yeah. Does anyone have anywhere specific they want to start with this one?
1: Uh, I'm going to shit on Dax, as I usually do.
2: Oh, because
1: Dax. why the fuck is this her job? Like, you'd think... Doing archaeology of a Bajoran artifact should be left to Bajoran archaeologists, not to some Federation scientist.
2: Well, I mean, in part, obviously part of it is because Ben was like, hey, it says emissary on it, so it's mine.
1: Well, originally (laughs) it was because he said, like, the the monk Koral basically said, we don't have the resources. Cisco said, oh, I do, but then didn't bring them the resources, he just took... The very fragile artifact. Yes. Right, no, I dick. was holding up okay until he chucked
4: it at the
2: wall. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I mean, the reason it falls to Dax is just because Star Trek falls into that same, like... Silly trap that so much fiction falls into that if you're a scientist, you know all science ever.
1: Yeah. There if you're physicists. on the show, yeah. you're the only one who knows this.
4: Yeah. I thought it was so she could crack wise. She got a lot of good one-liners on oh, that, that rock. Yep, yeah. it's just as I suspected. It's a stone with some writing carved into yeah, it. Yeah, that was grim Rim shot. <laughs> I- yeah, no, like,
2: I do enjoy that she was annoyed from the off by this whole thing.
4: Didn't she also get a good one off when he like threw it against the wall?
1: Oh, yeah, she She was like, oh, yeah, I I, I think about uh, throwing rocks at the wall all the time. I never do it. (laughs) Yeah. Idiot.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I I think she gets the job because. Dummy. Yeah, I think she gets the job because she's the emissary's best friend. Yeah. And that's that's kind of what I like about them together in this episode is they kind of, I feel like they finally figured out how to write them as though, you know, Dax has been alive for, like, eight lifetimes and knows Ben really well.
1: Yeah, the two of them are great.
4: That actually makes her, in a way, the most qualified because she's probably the oldest person who can Mm. have access to this rock. But that's, like, really the only
1: thing. Yeah, Yeah. what she really... The only thing that, like, the easiest thing that could have just fixed this is give her a Bajoran assistant. Yeah. Someone Mm -hmm. who knows the culture, who could point at the rock and say, oh, I get that part. That's a part I get. You wouldn't because you're not Bajoran.
4: Yeah, but here's the thing: she's married now, so they couldn't make some gross whirlwind romance bullshit—the like B plot—and they're just not interested <laughs> in, you know, using Terry Farrell unless oh it's my God. for the sex appeals.
1: Boys, uh, you're, please.
0: You're probably sadly right. That is probably why they did not. Uh but no, I mean, there definitely should have been, like one of the archaeologists from the dig site right mm. like somebody that knew what the fuck this thing was so it's not just like they didn't have the resources there it's like yeah no there's no such thing as bajoran archaeologists so <laughs> i hope you have a general science expert uh at your disposal cisco
2: i am i do kind of wonder though like given that the occupation only ended not that long ago and all this like how, how many truly qualified Bajoran academics are there? <laughs> like, I feel like a lot of them, especially on the history side, must be pretty self-taught. Because I feel like that's something the Cardis would have tried to really keep down.
4: Maybe they should have tried to find a Cardassian Bajoran archaeologist. I yeah. feel like some of oh, them that's probably... that's interesting. Well, because I'm sure some of them were doing some digging around while they were there. And I, in fact, they talk about... I think kai Wynn mentions, like, well, you know, yeah. the Cardis used to steal our shit, and so it's sort of a sore spot, so, actually...
2: Although I think that was probably more akin to when the British would steal things. It wasn't so much about mm. study, it was just, we want this in our museum, please, thank you. Yeah, but yeah. Still,
4: you know, they'd still study a little as, like, a side true. effect of the thieving.
0: You know that the Cardassian Museum is mostly Bajoran artifacts. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
4: And and the
2: molted skins of some of their more famous historical figures. Ooh, that sounds sexy.
4: And probably the paintings that Zial did.
1: Yeah. Nope those those got destroyed. No, um, that's but actually they were nice. Did really like the inclusion of alien archaeology in this uh, episode because it reminds you that even though like all other species seem to know all of Earth history, there's mm. a lot more history to go around. And I thought that was kind of fun.
3: Yeah. Definitely. I think this this gets to, this whole question kind of gets to a, a subject that I'm kind of confused about, and and maybe you want to ask kind of a stupid question, which hey, is... Oh, no stupid questions, Carl. Awesome. Uh, what, what's an emissary? <laughs> I, I feel like, I, I believe we were told that they were supposed to be, like, the one who speaks to the prophets, but mm. it seems like if that's true that Ben's word should be law more or something... Like is he is he sort of is he sort of part of Bajoran culture in a way that sidesteps Prime Directive concerns?
2: So that's that's something that you know I mean it does sort of come up on occasion. Like they even say in this one that Starfleet's not super comfortable with him being the
1: emissary. No. I'm not super comfortable with him being mm. the emissary. And he like has probably- a very conflicted interest. Yeah. Win
4: definitely isn't okay with it. But yeah. it's
2: kind of the best way to keep their foot in the door there, so they sort of go, I
1: guess... They need the wormhole, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. so
2: it's like, fuck, I guess we're going to have to kind of turn a blind eye to this as much as we can. But yeah, I think... You're right, you know, like, I mean, they talk about the fact that, you know, he's an outsider. Yeah. And if he were a Bajoran, I think it would be a little more... like Accepted, he... or... Like, he carries a lot of authority as it is, but I think he'd be taken more seriously by a larger portion of the population if he were a Bajoran. But he, he wouldn't be Starfleet. taken at all
1: seriously by other races.
2: Right. It's, um, you know, know, like, I feel like the only reason, yeah, Kaiwin really has any sway whatsoever is the fact that he's he's a human, he's Starfleet, he's right. all this.
1: Oh, he started out right. a non-believer. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Because they kind of treat him as though he was like the junior member of the board or something, Chikar and Kai Wynn. And I I, I sort of, I feel like he is trying to uh, kind of lash out and assume, you know, one thing that I, I really think they didn't deal with enough in this episode is, in terms of the relationship between Sisko and the Prophets, is that Sisko, you know, beyond the religious aspect, the Prophets are now keeping the Dominion on the other side of the, the wormhole, presumably. Right. So, like, th- oh, yeah, that they one. have— they. Ha- so, the Cisco owes them big. Yeah. And I feel like this is maybe his attempt to really be an emissary, and he's brushing up against Kai Wen. But yeah. I'm not—I'm really not sure if he's right. And, I mean, I guess at the end he he turns out to have been right. But, you know, Kai Wynn is making a lot of the, the points that you, you all made which is kind of fascinating to be on her side. Oh, yeah, I was super on
1: Tywin's side.
2: I was torn because, again, it was, it. was it, it's like, uh, you know, like, unlike the Cardassians, I feel like you could believe, yeah, he'll return it when he's done. Except he smashed it, but we didn't know that was going to happen. And, you know, it was, it was like, welcome emissary. It's like, it's basically like, that right there is kind of like, I guess, I mean, it does have his name on it.
4: Doesn't have his name? It's his yeah. it emissary. There could be other emissaries
1: before it's him. It's still a Bajoran artifact, and just the fact that there were no Bajorans involved is, what, is where I drew the line.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's definitely an unreasonable thing that he did, but it's also sort of politically... Like, I think, it, to, a, to a certain extent, it's politically astute. Like, he is... One thing I noticed is that he he learned that when he doesn't know the answer to a thing, he, he should just say, well, you know, the prophets are not always clear.
1: <laughs> Here's the other thing, though. He also did not ask permission. No. No, like, that's true. Like that, that monk Korol was there and he was like, oh, fucking no, this isn't my job. Um, and he just took it.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: Better to ask forgiveness than
4: permission. No, it's not! <laughs> It is if you want to get your way. That's true. <laughs> Literally, Cisco was like, you know, they were like, oh, she, you know, Kai Wen wouldn't have let you take it. And he's like, yeah, that's why the fuck I didn't ask.
2: I like later when he got the, you know, she presented the formal request from Shakar. And he was like, oh, you must have been very persuasive. It's like, no, Ben. The persuasion was <laughs> Shakar went, OK, look, what? Just what will it take to get you out of my fucking office? Sign <laughs> it for sure. I don't care what it is. Go. <laughs>
4: So to Carl, to your point about like him, you know, the emissary being treated like the junior board member. I don't I think that I agree that Kai Wynn treats him like that because I think she's just jealous because the prophets aren't talking to her. And we get a lot of that in this episode when she kind of like says like, you know, he's like, oh, they're not usually clear. And she's like, well, I wouldn't fucking know because they don't talk to me. And I feel like Shakar probably doesn't think too much about it because I feel like he only became... You know, whatever he is, president of the Bajoran Club, because he wanted to, like, best Kaiwin.
2: Yeah, he specifically didn't want her to be both First Minister and Kai.
4: But I feel like the people believe in the Cisco. Because That's- they come to him for blessings and this and that. Like, Kaiwin is pissed because she wants to be. She wants the prophets to pay attention. They want, she's like, notice me, senpai, even in this episode. She's like, she's like, prophets, tell me what to do. And they don't even fucking look at her. It's magnificent. (laughs) She was so burned. And Kira, of course, (laughs) makes the subtext text and is like, yeah, the day she became, (laughs) you know, the day she became the Kai should have been like the best day of her life. But, you know, fucking prophets, she has to share it with you because the prophets, you know, are super into you. So.
2: The best thing, the best scene of the whole thing, was when Prophet Kira, like just totally cold shouldered Kai Kaiwin. Yeah, <laughs> that was just <laughs> like
0: diss there,
2: like like you said, like literally, like looked above her head, like just didn't even make Wouldn't eye even contact. It at her. Like, oh, Wouldn't it, even it her felt that. so good. Like, you thought back to every scene from other episodes where she was unreasonable.
4: Where she'd be my childing. Yeah. I'll be honest, even in that moment, I felt a little bad for her. I never feel bad for Kai Wynn, but in that moment, I was just like, oh, man. Oh, not me. Because, like I said, Kira said it. Like, this was her life's goal. Everything she's done in her life, she's done for the profits. I mean, allegedly. And which I guess you could argue.
1: Yeah, regardless of if she's a good or a bad person, she is a devoted person. Yes. Well,
4: but but then again when, when her the true test of her faith comes <laughs> yeah. forward at the end of this show she, she freaks the fuck out and she says, May the prophets forgive me. And I, <laughs> I said to Chris, I was like, Jesus, that's a way to get them to fucking notice you. A little bit of negative attention there. It's better like, to
2: ask forgiveness than permission. <laughs> yeah,
4: no, is. no. Do as I say, not as I do. God damn it. But like I just uh Ah, I like. I just. I'm seriously though. Like, how do you think that that is? They wouldn't even look at you before, so now you're gonna fucking fuck their shit up. That doesn't seem like a great way to get in good with the prophets, Kaiwin.
1: No. You know what is absolutely wild is originally when they were writing this show, this whole little good versus evil, bring the power wraiths back because they're going to be a whole lot of fun. uh, Pitch for this show was it was going to be the prophet in Kira and the power wraith in Win.
4: That's actually kinda what I was hoping for. That's half honest, what I was expecting. Because she's just I feel like that would have been too on the nose though. Yeah. Because no matter how you feel about Kaiwin, side note, we all fucking hate her, obviously. Like, I just feel I love like her. you you can't argue well, I mean you I love, mean, to, I, hate I love her. to hate her, but you just can't like I you can't see I can't see that working.
2: I think well yeah. plus it's really like I said that's too on the nose and really it's so much worse for her as a character for yeah. her to have just failed the way ignored. she did. Well, that would, and then and then failed the test of faith.
1: Yeah,
2: it's like, yeah. wow, you, you stupid fucker, you blew it. You done goofed, Kai. like any any doubt I may have had, like you know, it's like how much is true devotion versus her own self interest yeah. that she has convinced herself is devotion. And that just, I mean, we all knew, but there were moments, you know, they had that a while ago she was on and kind of went on about, you know, how badly things were for religious figures on Bajor. And you're like, wow, so she, all right, she may not have been a resistance, but she put up with some nasty shit. Okay. I, I feel a little for her. And then, like you said, in this one, really, yeah, up until the end, you're like, yeah, she's making some good points, you know, like, come on, Ben. But then she totally just blows it at the end. You're like, nope, you're just a politician. Mm-hmm. Draped in in a cloth, you don't actually believe, and so we were all right the whole time. Mm-hmm. You're you're the worst.
4: I would okay. like to move to title this episode. You done goofed,
1: my child.
4: Because <laughs> <laughs> it works for both perfect. episodes. It I does.
0: love
1: it. does. So on the flip side of that is, it was fairly telegraphed early on that it was it the, it had to be Jake. That was going to be the other in this in this mm. feud well, yeah, of figures
0: angle of like Cisco the nonbeliever having the penance and yeah, like all it all point all roads led to Jake. My like, dumb he ass. Pre-
1: he was so present for a lot of the scenes in which Cisco was questioning things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, what's what's Jake's angle? Oh, here's what Jake's angle is here. He's a power. Ape.
2: <laughs> my, my dumb ass didn't see it coming. Really? Because no. I was just like. It was just, you know, because for me it was just like, well, yeah, it's Jake finally saying, like, Dad, this emissary shit's dangerous. And, and stupid. It, it worries me sometimes. And it just seemed like necessary character building. It, and then it was like, oh, oh, fuck. He's got the red contact.
3: Yeah.
4: Oh, God, I fucking, I think I shrieked. You did. I really don't do well with eye shit. Any eye yeah. shit. Yeah, I was a big fan Gary of, Gary like, Mitchell, huh? Well, <laughs> yeah. that mostly just made me uncomfortable, But, like, I watched Supernatural a lot, Mm -hmm. and they love to put, like, full black contacts on people to be like, hey, they're possessed by a demon now. And that shit is just, ugh. It just, there's something very visceral in me that reacts, and I hate it.
2: Yeah, no. Possession contacts and her are not friends. No, no, There was
0: some kid in my high school that got, like, Darth Maul-style red contacts. Oh, sure. Oh, I remember those. Yeah. Um, I
4: I think someone at my high school probably did that, too.
0: Yeah, he, I think, like, it freaked out enough teachers that they banned them Aww. within, a, within <laughs> like, two days.
1: Yeah, getting
4: that to... Kira had contacts of some finish kind, what right? what you're doing. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, was that kid in your high school also the kid that, like, I don't know, wore a cape to school <laughs> and, like, called in bomb threats? Because I'm pretty sure it was that kid for my
0: school. Uh, I don't know if he was the cape and bomb threats kid, but he was definitely, like, the loner... Kind of scary kid, I'd say.
4: Oh, did he ever get those, uh, those press-on vampire fangs that you could like? You know, they fit to your teeth, so you didn't talk with like a mouthful of plastic. No,
0: I mean this kid no. was more like.
4: I'm from New Hampshire, so like, we were a little sh- more
0: like extreme. Shaved head, <laughs> like, free or die. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
1: Kira uh, Vampire. Kind of- it's free and die. That's
2: true. But Kira had a contact too, right? They were like weird, yeah. Like they were ones. like,
1: yeah, they were like bluey. They were pretty.
3: Blue is good, and blue yeah. Yeah. is bad. I, I like the Kira look in that fight.
1: Oh, she looked great. Yeah. I love what they were doing with their voices too. They did a lovely mm. job yeah. with making the voices recognizably them, but like in a in a beautiful like filter kind of a thing. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like I, very ethereal.
3: I actually don't don't have a problem with that fight. I know it looks kind of stupid by modern standards, but it's like. You know, it's it, it, you You can tell that energy is happening that, like, you can't see. Yeah. I just
1: found it had exactly no tension because, you know, I watch sure. as they're cutting to Cisco and whoever else is over there uh, when talking. Oh, it's your son out there. Yeah, I know. It was yeah. like there's so nothing happening and I feel nothing.
3: Exactly. That's mm. true. Exactly. They spend 60 seconds just restating the premise. Yeah, basically. Your stone's out there. I know, but I can't stop this. Why not? I don't know. See, this is what... It's because they
4: wanted to take you by surprise with the, like, Kai Wen's gonna, you know, throw the third switch and fuck it all up thing. And and that was
3: truly awesome. But I I wish... I think, looking back on it, I I think I like the second half of the script. And I kind of wish we had more (laughs) about, like, what's Ben's opinion now? Like, is Mm. he... I mean maybe he should convert at this point if the if the wormhole aliens are holding back the dominion. Like I would be I'm, praying like three times a day if I was if I feel like he
2: kind of sort of has. I mm-hmm. mean he did talk a while ago about wanting to retire to Bajor. Like he's mm-hmm. fallen in love with the culture in a huge way.
3: Yeah. Um And it's it's still hard to believe he would submit Jake to that. Though. He
1: was convinced Jake would uh, be okay, though. Right. I don't think he let it let the direness of the situation really sink in that we could a. Jake could die. B. We could all die. Yeah. C. We could destroy the station. It's it's
2: very Abraham. Yeah, it is, mm. and I you guess. Know, I-
3: you know, you know, this, this situation would kind of come up all the time. Like we did have that situation where Jake stayed on the station under occupation for six months without even asking for permission mm. uh, or whatever it was. I mean, still, I, if I were Cisco, I I think like, I would not let Jake be the last guy to be evacuated in that situation. I would probably be like, all right, Jake, don't tell anybody, but uh, I've hidden a personal escape pod for you underneath the cargo bay. This is just... <laughs> D- don't tell anyone. This is this is for my sake as much as yours. This is where you go.
4: I Jake, mean, the thing, your seat is also a flotation device. <laughs> the
2: thing is, he'd probably been scheduled to be on an earlier one, but the Power Wraith had probably already been like, no, no, you're
0: with me. Oh, okay. He's, uh, I already grabbed him. I gotcha. Oh, yeah, I guess we don't really know when, when that would have happened. That's yeah, because we hadn't Possibly. seen him
2: in a bit, so it's entirely possible, you know, he went undercover you know, I'm sure the Pa Wraith can possess someone without it being... We know it's possible because Keiko was possessed by one that time and didn't have red eyes.
3: Right. So, Power Wraith...
2: <laughs> this Raith... was a
1: different one, though. This one is, True. like, the worst one.
2: Yeah. But Pa Wraith Jake probably went home, maybe had sunglasses on, was like, ah, I'm actually reassigned to a different one, so go, go. And then he takes the sunglasses off, big red eyes, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, goes off to the fight. Hmm.
1: So, Carl brings up that the wormhole aliens are still stopping the Dominion at the doors, basically. Which I didn't realize was still a thing that was happening. Which means all of the the Hadar in the Alpha Quadrant are either missing their white or they found a new source of white.
0: Well, didn't they say that there was a planet? like in oh, the, that's In right. the episode with the. Um, Those brilliant
2: the jerks. Heads, the eggheads the egg made them uh, surrender that planet. Okay, okay. So.
1: So they, I, I think now.
0: they can make their own now.
1: Okay, I got it. Damn you, Jack! Fucking And we Jack. know that they
0: can make their they can make new gem hadars, except they're going to be those inferior alphas <clears throat> that that aren't as loyal to the prophets. Oh yeah, mm. or the uh, founders. To founders. Getting confusing. Yeah, I got I got prophets on the brain. So um, does Kira. <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> yeah. I, so I wanted to mention ki- something about. So you know they. I mentioned this in the intro that they found this second city, not Chicago, but they found a second. <laughs> um, they they found a second John archaeological site there. under the old one, and and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat because you know, one of the interesting things about Earth history is that's actually pretty typical. Yeah, it happens all the time. Cities where they like when they found what was uh thought to be the city of troy from the iliad you know it was just like a mound it was just a mound of dirt basically with grass on it and they're like yeah th- you know there's stories that there used to be a city here and this uh german archaeologist who wasn't like archaeology wasn't a thing like he this guy Schliemann, it was just dax, Heinrich just brought in Schliemann dax again. <laughs> basically invented the idea of archaeology but he was such a bad archaeologist because he just started digging. And of course, as he was digging out this mound, he kept coming across like, oh, evidence of cities. And he had no conception of like, oh, I should probably preserve
1: oh, the my. different
0: layers of the city and catalog things. No, he just kept digging until he got to the bottom. And was like, yep, this is the bottom city. This is, I've dug through 12 other cities. This must be Homer's Troy. And then, since then, like you know, that was in the 1800s. Future archaeologists had come along and were like, "Yeah, no, that city is way older than hmm. than the Iliad." So, if You've this already is
1: destroyed Troy, if you this jerk. is
0: Troy, if this is the site of Troy, it was one of the other cities that you had dug through and destroyed trying to get to it. So I think, like, now they're pretty sure it's, like, the fifth or sixth city or something like that.
2: Being fair to Herr Schliemann, when you're a person inventing a whole new... uh, World? No, no, uh... Science. Not science specifically, but... Branch of sociology. Oh! Um... Field. Yeah, that'll do. A whole new field. There's gotta be some fuck-ups on the way.
0: Yeah, but his motivation for doing it, like... He would he would be the bad guy in an Indiana Jones movie because he didn't want it in a museum. He wanted to enrich himself
1: because he Fair. was German.
0: No, he just was wanted money. He liked gold. Discipline. There we go. Discipline. Hey. That's a good one. Yeah, but yeah. So I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that uh, the the Bajorans evidently did the same thing. It's just like, hey, this city, this city's on the sh- you know has kind of fallen apart. Let's just. Bulldoze it and put a new city right on top. Yeah.
1: And if you go foot down far enough, you find rock and roll.
0: Hey. <laughs>
1: oh. Nice. Yeah. So we find the slab. Cisco, like, looks at it funny and all of a sudden he's you know having a conversation with the prophets again in what i thought was our laziest conversation with the prophets yet
3: (laughs) i guess 110
1: (laughs) percent yes it was was just pacing now instead of you know (laughs) having memories or talking with with things that the that the uh, prophets are digging out of your mind or it's an it's a new translation of how prophets talk to you even every single time we talk to the prophets and i don't like them anymore
0: or was this perhaps not the Prophets, but the Pa Wraiths? Was, huh.
1: this,
0: was this maybe, in you know, the Pa Wraiths, maybe they're not as creative. And really what <laughs> really what they wanted was for him to take the thing, break it, release them, and, you know, get the Reckoning started, because that's the only way they're ever going to get back to the to the Celestial Temple.
1: I don't know. Keiko came close. Oh, no, he was going to destroy it.
0: Yeah.
2: You, you know what it was? They fucked up their prophesizing. They were expecting him next week, so most <laughs> of the prophets were on vacation, mm. and this was like the, B, was the team B team that they'd left at home. <laughs> and they're like, "Wait, what?" You know, one of was in the middle of dinner. Like, he's that. Fuck. Um. Where's the script? Where's the shit? We'll make it up as we go along.
4: I don't know where it is. All right. If you don't have anything else to just to say, just say he is the Cisco. Use that whenever <laughs> you don't know what else to say. It'll be fine. He is the
2: Cisco. Of shit a Bajor. Yeah. Oh, work the word
4: reckoning in there as many times as you can.
1: question what baseball is. Mm.
4: The reckoning.
2: Because honestly, <laughs> I still don't entirely get it. The Cisco. No.
1: He's no a little boring. What? A, what? How do errors work? I don't fucking care. He is the Cisco.
2: So, like, side note, they tested a lot of people for Cisco, including a Scotsman and an Englishman. Hmm. Would Cisco have been into cricket had it been one of them?
0: (laughs) I assume so.
1: football, obviously. Oh, God. I don't think I could watch it with a Scotsman or an Englishman.
0: (laughs) It would be weird to have an Englishman after just having Picard, too.
1: He was a Frenchman. (laughs) Yeah, but he was. With an English accent. Okay.
4: Hear me out. It's Groundskeeper Willie. Oh no, no.
2: no. <laughs> See what they should have done was he was an Englishman, but yet again was not English.
0: Oh, it could have been
4: Welsh.
2: Could have been Welsh. Russian.
0: Oh, Welsh. I choose to believe that in the future the Brit the British are just like, you know what? We're gonna do a reverse, William the Conqueror. We're going back. Yeah. And, and that is and that is the end of France.
1: <laughs> William the Leverer. <laughs> Oh uh, well, apparently, yeah. apparently I made the same note twice because, um, we were supposed to record this weeks ago and something went wrong. I was sick. Uh, it's my yeah, fault. Diarrhea. Uh, Caitlin wow, got diarrhea Jeez. And I, I, our second, <laughs> our rewatch to, to f- familiarize ourselves. I made a joke and then realized, oh, did I make that joke last time? And looking at my notes, yes, I did. And that's that Quark comes out and says, I've extended happy hour. And I say, it's happier now.
3: <laughs> hey! Didn't
1: I do that too? Not that joke, but didn't I say something? And did you I say? I think you did.
4: Because we had watched like the first fifteen minutes before the literal shitstorm took place, and uh, oh no, the,
0: the reckoning. The re-
4: yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was orange and blue and fighting against each other. I had weird contacts in. But where did the white one go? Just- veins popping out of your head. Brown eyes. What? Oh, no! Oh, no.
2: <laughs> Ames made a face. I don't know if anyone else noticed, but when the tablet broke, there was a third little white wisp. I want to know that where that just... fucker went off uh,
1: to. It went, it went to enjoy happy hour, obviously.
2: <laughs>
1: it's happier now. That was cool
4: ranch flavoring. Don't worry about <laughs> it. It's fine.
2: New from the wormhole. Cool ranch profits. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but yeah.
4: Some other Capri Sun flavored something or other. I don't know. It's the '90s, friends.
0: All right, cool. Anything else on the reckoning? I uh,
3: I like well, the wreck. Uh, I like the Odo Kira relationship in this.
1: Oh yeah, that um, was very nice. That's right.
3: That that was the cold
2: open. Was uh, more bad news from the war. A little good news. Odo's cynical. Yeah. And then they have a moment. Yeah, did that was you, cute. Did well, you
1: notice Kira eating fruit?
3: Yeah, I did. Well, I noticed
1: that's what on the, the second Jorans Do
4: all right. Well, I mean, at, Carl, I, I assume you were talking more specifically about the Odo being like, I have to stand up for Kira's faith thing.
3: Well, yeah, and just just generally oh, yeah, that. that. On, on top of any everything else, they are a cross religious couple as yeah. well as a cross. And I, I like, you know, I feel like sci fi and religion, like religion, often irritates sci fi audiences. Uh, in, in sci-fi shows. It's mishandled but
1: mishandled a lot. Yeah.
3: Yeah. But this, you know, I, I like stories where sort of religion and science kind of go hand in hand in you characters. You did a whole
4: show about it, didn't you, Carl?
3: Uh, pro- oh, yeah, yeah, certainly. Yeah. And, you know, with, with the, the idea that, that Odo doesn't have faith in the prophets but has faith in Kira... And that is enough is, is kind mm. of, you know, I feel like that's a that's a real relationship. You know, I just love that they were like friends for five years and it like a tortured history before that. And like now they're a couple, but it's kind of like everything. The architecture of their relationship was built mm. long ago. And it yeah, it,
1: the first he ever met her was because he thought she killed somebody and she did.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> it's funny, of course, because, you know, she's she's got a lot of faith. Of he the art. Himself does not, but he is seen as a god by a mm. bunch of people. Yeah. It's very, very yeah. complex. Yeah. You know, ins- like, as oh, a
0: god,
3: gods are bullshit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm. He and Cisco probably have had this out a little bit. Like, <laughs> these people oh, are like, I'm God. Me too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
4: Yeah, I will say in the beginning and sometimes still like one of the things that I like the least about Kira is like how like seemingly blindly religious she is. And that's mm-hmm. just cause I'm like also very cynical, but
3: mm-hmm. but she she can adapt to, and she has, you know, she has compassion and she has, uh, you know, like, I feel like her, her, uh, her like vengefulness and compassion are at roughly equal levels. And I just love that about her character. Dramatically, I
1: also like her relationship with Wynn because we she mm-hmm. also started off like blindly following Wynn until she yeah. realized, wait a minute, yeah, not your bad. And in this episode, wait a minute, you're actually a heretic.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like the it's kind of like the wharf thing where he, he you know, you he, he start simple, but by questioning, you become really truly uh, yeah. religious and not just like following dogma.
2: I think that's what makes her a good character is that she like. Well, I think a lot of her life is viewed through her religion. She is not in a, She's not in total thrall to it. Yeah, and I think part of that must come from the fact that, like, so much of her life was so bad.
4: <laughs> well, it must be hard to not believe that your gods have abandoned you when that sort of thing is happening. You'd be
1: surprised. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Yeah. Anyway, so let's talk gonna, about Valerie. She's going to go all the emo, and it's uh, going to be really interesting. She's going to become a big REM fan. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. So next up, we have Valiant, Valiant, like Prince Valiant from, uh, or no, the Prince Valium from. uh, Yeah, even better from uh, Spaceballs. (laughs) This episode opens with Jake and Nog going on a little, a little adventure. I'm sorry.
1: This episode opens in Quark's bar with the replicator not working. That's true. Quark's Uh.
0: replicator is broken, and nobody's fixing it
1: oh no there are no engineers
0: because rom well, curly's doing something rom's elsewhere and nog was assigned to it but now he's going on a vacation with jake so uh nobody's fixing poor quark's replicator and then a female shows up dax shows up to fix it and quark's like how can i get my bonk on when uh when you know she's touching that disgusting replicator this is below her. And Odo's like, ah, you're in love. And I'm thinking, wow, this is sure to be a really annoying B-plot. And then that B-plot ends within the first three minutes of the episode. I was mercifully.
1: so
3: grateful for that. Yes.
1: Her I hands think... are for Umox, not for, cl- for fixing rec- r- 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 Not Reclamators, Replicators. <laughs> yeah, reclamators, <laughs> that's just what they decided, got I've just decided that Valiant and that
4: little stupid scene is actually leading into the B-plot of an episode that is Profit and Lace. And I know we're not going to talk about it right now, but that beginning of Quark's day, I think, would work really well. Mm. Mm. With that shit show, but go
0: on. Anywho, uh, so yeah, so Jake and Nog, they're on their way to Ferenginar, the Ferengi homeworld, because they have to deliver a top secret message from the Federation directly to the Grand Nagus. And uh, Rom being the, or uh, Nog being the only um, Ferengi in Starfleet is tasked with this immense honor. And Jake is there because he's like, oh, he he convinced Nog to let him join him because he was going to go on a vacation. But uh, in secret, he actually wants to get a exclusive interview with the Grand Nagus.
1: Presumptuous much?
0: Yeah, that, offend, that offends Nog to no end. But they don't get very far because as soon as they leave this rando starbase... It gets attacked by Hadar. and then they're trying to uh, outmaneuver Hadar's ship in their little run, uh, runabout, and it's not going so well. They get hit by some, some phaser things, and then suddenly they get rescued by the Defiant. Record scratch. <gasps> That's not the Defiant. That's the same model, but with a different number on it. That's
1: and a red tra- paint job. The mm-hmm. Valiant. And no cloak.
0: It's yeah. another... Defiant-class ship, but this one has a secret, and that secret is it sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So the Valiant rescues, valiantly rescues Jake and Nog, and they beam aboard, and they find out that this isn't any ordinary Starfleet vessel. This is a Starfleet vessel manned entirely by teenagers, and we find out that it is, in fact. The training vessel, why Starfleet puts their most advanced warship in the hands of children, we'll never know. But yeah, no, this was actually a training vessel, and the entire crew is made up of the members of not Nova, but Red Squad, the pieces of shit that Admiral Layton manipulated into (laughs) destroying Earth's power grid. Somehow those people got themselves a ship
1: they are a bunch of little followers and it shows.
0: Yeah. So uh, we find out that, yeah, no, this had been, there had been some adults, but uh, they all got killed in a battle. And since then, the captain of the ship, Mr. Piece of Shit, Captain (laughs) Wet His Bed. Punchy face. Yeah. Punchy McFace. um, (laughs) Captain Ben Shapiro. (laughs) uh, Wow. Whoa, whoa. Is. yeah, he's like, Yeah, you know, we're we're behind enemy lines. We're we're making we're striking at the heart of the Dominion and and Jake is like, uh, don't you think maybe you should like call Starfleet and like get orders? Like, no, our orders Let were to them remain know you're silent. alive. We have to do this top secret shit. And everyone else in the crew is going along with it. We got, you know, first officer Admiral Necheyev's daughter and
3: Right!
4: I
0: thought uh, you kind of looked like her too. We got Helmsman, the piece of shit that Cisco Scared the shit out of that time. And Chris we got, pointed that out too. And we got a uh, chief something of other girl that misses the moon. Anyway, they're all a bunch of shitheads, and, but they're all blindly following the captain. And the captain's like, let's go on a suicide mission together.
4: Wait, but you forgot chief engineer.
0: Oh, a chief engineer, newly <laughs> recruited chief engineer, Nog, who is very qualified. I mean, he does fix their warp drive because they've been puttering along at warp. 3.5. And he got them up or to four. warp warp four. So yay. Um, I thought he got
1: them to like warp six. I thought it was like six. Yeah, whatever. Eight
0: or he, he, fixed, he fixed them up good. But meanwhile, Jake's like, uh, I really don't think this is a good idea because A, the captain seems a little unhinged. He's, he gave the whole Tom Hanks no crying in baseball speech to the crying girl. Yeah. <laughs> and He's popping pills constantly. He's, he's, he's doped up as fuck. And his whole plan is for us to attack a fucking gigantic ship that will surely destroy us. And Nog's like, you just don't understand. You never put on the uniform, man. You never... Yeah. Uh, Red squad. Ah. Um,
1: red Squad, <laughs> Red, squad, squad, red, squad, 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 red squad, Red Squad, Red Squad.
0: Yeah, so it's just this whole—it's just the fucking same testosterone bullshit that uh, uh, you know, Locarno was up yep. to when they were called mm-hmm. Nova Squadron. You know, come on, we're we're the best of the best. We have to do this. Uh,
4: keep. You're literally 16. Uh, sit down. Ducks <laughs> fly together. Uh, like, <laughs> congratulations! I did really good in high school too. Like,
0: <sighs> so calm down. anyway they do they attack the ship they hatch this plan that uh that like nog kind of came up with actually which whoops to attack this dominion special battle cruiser it fails miserably so miserably very miserably the ship gets fucking destroyed and they all get killed except for jake nog And cry, cry, emic, cry face. Oh
4: yeah, Uh, Sailor Moon, I think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty
4: good. (laughs) No, Jake
1: Um, and I joked that Jake was okay because the safest place to be was the brig. Evidently,
0: oh yeah, Yeah. Jake got himself thrown in the brig for questioning Captain Shitpants. The three of them managed to escape in an escape pod and eventually get picked up by the Defiant. And Jake and Nog are like, man. That guy turned out to be a real piece of shit and the the moon the moon girl's like, yeah, but he was a great man and it's like what? He got everybody killed, you dumb fuck! Anyway, and of- then
4: she performed What Ass Pussy by Cardi B and what is it, Megan the Stallion?
0: Yes. <laughs> great. And yeah, end scene. Maybe
2: Starfleet needs to stop having elite groups of cadets it never yes. works out just throwing that out there well i want to know how, how
1: will that... you tell who the best cadets are F- how who's gonna Fuck... grow the radishes like how did
0: fucking lurch <laughs> get back into red squad after the <laughs> incident with leighton <laughs> jesus christ oh, um, shepherd <laughs> whatever the guy. The guy's Here's is... my theory
1: you just say lurch right and poems. i you say lurch and i think ruck or like
2: Oh. Mm, actual lurch. Yeah, oh, yeah some of the lurch.
1: actual lurches no, we this seen. guy
0: had kind of a Frankenstein-y shaped head, so <laughs> I'm going with lurch. See,
2: the thing is, the Red Squad kids the, then, like, they didn't know. You know, they were being told... Excuse me. They were told this was all next. It was a thing, like...
1: Oh, during, like, Homestead and Paradise Lost? Yeah, like, technically
2: speaking, they... You know, didn't we're as surprised as everyone else when it turned out to be bullshit. So you really couldn't hold it against them.
1: I could still Having hold s- it against them. Well, I
2: would too. So here's what happens. Starfleet goes, oh, for fuck's sake. Okay. We technically can't punish them, but we want them the fuck away from Earth. Shove them on a ship and just <laughs> send them away on a secret mission or something. Uh, here, give them this defiant we put together, but didn't actually like fix. Because it seemed to be having <laughs> the same problems that O'Brien had to work out. Mm. And that surely Starfleet knew he had worked out, but they didn't do anything about it. <laughs> like, yeah, I think they were sending Red Squad off to die.
0: Well, they succeeded in that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I'm sad Ramirez to had to die.
2: Yeah, maybe he sucked, too. Maybe that's why he got the job. Maybe he was an idiot.
1: Maybe. maybe. Yeah, they were fucking idiots. I mean, I was as as fucking Waters is going through his plan of getting everyone killed. I'm looking at the group of uh, everyone he's giving the speech to, and they're all uh, like wide eyed, like "uh huh, mm-hmm. uh huh," and there's some Vulcans in there, and I'm Strange! like, and the Vulcans should figure this out and say, "I have a better idea. Let's not do any of that." <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, that's that's what's so great about this episode. I think is the the tone. Like, they really nailed uh, people who are, like, pushed beyond their, their comfort zone and, like, you know, are, are performing amazing stuff. But, like, but don't you dare think about the decisions you just made. Don't you dare think about them. No reflections. You're just in the moment. Don't question anything. Don't,
1: th- don't think about the moon. <laughs> don't
3: think about the moon. Yeah, like, it's such a perfect, like, hostile workplace in a way. Because, like, you know, he, Captain, uh, Captain Waters is, like, you know, he, he comes across as Mr. Friendly. And then Jake... Asks Sailor Moon about her past, and she starts crying. (laughs) And immediately he's like, "Don't don't do that. Don't treat her like an individual."
4: She's like, "I used to be the queen on the moon." Yeah.
2: (laughs) Well, he like clearly had given her a talking to for having emotions. Yeah, exactly. Like like that's not you know any a good captain. You know, like yeah, talk to make sure they're okay. And it's like you know we have to focus, but you know turn that into something positive. And then like not just like stop that. Yeah. Like I said to Caitlin, you know, you know, at one point, you know, Waters and what is the first uh, Ferris there, little Necheev, you know, have a meeting at sixteen thirty or whatever. It's Like ah, yes, it's time for their emotionless sex. <laughs>
4: <laughs> oh. It's all heat
2: sex because oh. that's too much emotion. Oh, they just a- they just meet in a room. He's already erect, you know. Oh, she's no, already. No, no. This is whapping. uncomfortable
1: because that actress was sixteen.
3: Oh, I didn't know that. Oh <laughs> well, gee. Well, they're all they're all doing I feel impressions of their parents in a way. And particularly Waters and Barris, like they have such a great and like obvious command style that you can you can read like a book basically, like Yeah. good cop, bad cop. You know, Ferris broasts you and then Waters stops her and goes, "Hey, hey, buddy, come on." <laughs> like it's so predictable. Yeah, uh, even though secretly
2: and, they're both bad cops. Yeah, oh, yeah, but it
3: work, and it works because everyone's so afraid of everything. Like yeah. I don't, I don't think one thing I like about Barris's performance is that I don't think she is naturally domineering or pushy in a first officer way at all. But she feels like she has to do that, and I think it's kind of smart about how that you know when someone feels like they have to be bad cop, but they they don't really have any relish for being the bad cop. Like you can kind of tell. Yeah, see, mm. I
1: struggled with with the Ferris character because, mm-hmm. as I said, she was so she was 50, like 16 years old or so when this That's was being seen, which means either she was of like and they're all very like a lot of them look very, very young because they needed this crew to look very, very young. Mm-hmm. Except, t- um, t- except, and, except
0: the Captain Waters somehow looked 40. Well, I'm sure
1: I didn't look him well, up, but I'm I sure would he say was 30. I would probably say yeah, yeah,
0: 30. Say... And
4: I think it was because of how huge that jaw was.
0: Yeah, maybe. <laughs>
1: Yeah but the, the the tough thing is is like especially for someone like like Ferris who is trying to act like someone with a lot of power while still being 16 years old and it's like I can't tell if you're not a good actor yet cuz you're 16 I'll give you time maybe you're better now or it was just the the character was just so fucking fake
3: See that's the thing I think, I it's, think, think it's the
1: former, but I I'm, <laughs> I I'm willing to give her some benefit of the doubt
2: It's so weird she's like our age
1: That's yeah. nuts
2: <laughs> like, I was just assuming she was in her 20s
1: You could have been in this episode, Chris
2: Literally, that's fucking bonkers to me What I like about Waters I mean, he did look a little older but the th- I mean, Which was fine, because I assume he was supposed to be a senior anyway But like, he felt like he was straight out of central casting For a Star Trek parody mm. <laughs> yeah. Like he kind of looks like a dime store Kirk And acts like Kirk Drift Kirk so yeah. it's perfect for a bad captain.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. The thing that I felt this episode lacked was any moment during the battle when any of the shitheads got to realize that they were shitheads and this is why everyone is dead. Like I I want I wanted the satisfaction of Waters' Like, not just falling out of his chair and dying.
1: But watching?
0: But, like, watching his crew get annihilated and having the realization that he's in deep over his head. And, like, abandoning his post. And Nog has to jump in and order the abandoned ship because Waters refuses to do it.
2: See, that's kind of great, though, because it's, like, on the one hand, more realistic. Like, plenty of people in life fuck up and don't get the sort of catharsis of realizing it. That's true. And also, like, it just... uh, So in a a realist... It's real realistic, but also in sort of a meta sense, it's like, no, you don't even get to have a, like, dramatically pleasing death,
3: like Mm -hmm. a hero character.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you, you get to just die like an extra... Yeah. You don't yeah. get to be That's there, fair. like, kind of fading, watching thing. You know, they could have done that. They could have done him on the ground. You know, they do the, like, slow motion. The sound is muffled, slow, tight on his face. And you see him go like, oh, no. The, or right.
0: the, the inabrantane on the on the bridge of the.
1: Oh, the, yeah. Uh, on that the Romulan ship. Ship. The Romulan yeah. ship.
2: Like, he doesn't get to have that moment because he doesn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Mm. There is, I think you could argue, when he first goes down, there is a moment where Faris looks shaken, which I think is the closest we get to what you want. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Where you can tell that she's just like, uh, fuck, I guess I'm in command now for the next six seconds.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Until I get killed immediately.
0: (laughs)
3: Yeah. Yeah. So fast. And I I like, it's kind of clever how by making Nog lieutenant commander, he accidentally puts him in line to be third in command so that he can order the execution, because that's the only way anyone survives. You know anyone mm. else on that one ship? Per- one person. One person. Well, the, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean,
2: and that's the thing. Is in reality, it's all pretend. Like mm-hmm. he's an ensign. They're acting ranks. Like really, he was the highest ranked person the entire time. Yes. Yeah.
0: Like honestly, he should have just taken command of the he, ship.
2: Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> oh pretty, my god. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure an actual ensign outranks a field promotion captain. Who's like, at that not, point, even, it's like,
0: like, not even a commissioned officer at all anyway.
2: Yeah, yeah but, like, Nog, I but am, Nog
1: walks in and says, oh, Red Squad is my
3: friend. Yeah. Right. And
2: that's the thing. Go back to the, the two part of their Paradise Lost and all that. That's where they first mentioned them. And we realized, oh, God. So they disbanded Nova Squadron and then immediately reformed it as Red Squad. Great Starfleet. Yeah. But yeah, it goes back to this sort of his early days where he was enamored with them, and he hasn't entirely shaken
0: that. Yeah, but uh, like they've shown repeatedly that they're pieces of shit. So yeah,
2: I think after this, he's probably no longer enamored
1: of Squad. <laughs> well, they're all dead, so it doesn't matter. So be hopefully,
2: Starfleet does not reestablish. Or it's like, all right, Nova yeah. Red, uh, let's call this one Beetroot Squad.
1: Obsidian, <laughs> Obsidian Squad. That's a good word. Where did I hear oh, that no. before?
2: Oh no.
3: Section Thirty Squad, <laughs> Squadron Thirty Section.
1: You trying to say something there, Carl?
3: Oh, I uh, I really like I really like Jake in this couple of episodes. They have really nailed writing him as like a guy who is like he he's a man, but he's still kind of a teenager. Like he's just on the the edge of his awkward age. You know, he he really he has a lot of gravitas, a lot of you know a lot of grit as a journalist. But even so, when Jake and Nog get together, they're, they're still squabbling like they were really little kids. Mm. And I just love that, especially in the sense, you know, this is a really great episode for Nog in terms oh, of yeah. being mature enough to, to make the call that it's over. And I think it, it's not an accident that when he does that, Jake is out of the room, locked in the brig. I have a feeling if Jake were in the room, he might have kept going just out of spite. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm actually, like, point. I'm fairly eh on this episode, but I fucking, un- like, and uh, am enamored with the end of it. Yes. Because it's, mm. Nog un- comes to understand, wow, this was a giant mistake that everyone made following Waters off a cliff. Jesus Christ, Jake, write all this up in the article you're writing. And... You know, Dorian, who has been, like, her skull got crushed a little bit. Like, ouch. Yeah. Is like, no, he was a great captain. He did everything he could for us. And I really loved him and all this thing. I wanted to pork him a little bit. Just a little? Just a little bit. Well, he was obviously with the other ones, so it's fine. To which Nog says, write both sides, let people decide, which I think is is quite excellent, even mm. though I'm almost entirely certain anyone reading this would be like, yeah, Waters
2: was an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, hopefully.
0: Well, it's like that, you know, it's sort of like the that cult of personality, you know, Jim Jones sort of situation, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, they they were they're completely blind to his mistakes or his his faults because they just you know, he's built up this image of, of himself as this amazing captain who's gotten them out of so many scrapes and jams.
2: Well, and that's, you know, I mean, the question, too, is, like, how much of that is Starfleet's fault?
0: Oh, all of it.
2: <laughs> like, you know, they, like, they, they, they definitely encourage the cult of personality, and I'm sure they do it even more during times of war. I mean, you know, think of the affection O'Brien had for Captain Maxwell,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. who,
2: of course, he was under during a time of war. You know, I know I talked about this a while ago, but it it would be interesting to see Starfleet Academy during wartime versus peacetime Mm -hmm. and what the curriculum looks like and uh, what they push, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure Starfleet Academy during wartime is just the training segment of Starship Troopers.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I actually
1: have a a pretty decent quote from uh, Iris Stephen Bear I wrote down. The quote is, I felt that after the war arc, we really needed a dose of reality. I just was afraid that people might be watching the war stuff and getting off on it. But I wanted them to know that it's not that simple. That life isn't really like that.
0: I just wanted to kill a bunch of kids. Oh, (laughs) ditto.
2: I mean, I'm glad he was concerned, but I certainly didn't view any of the war arc as like, yeah. It always kind of felt like, this sucks. This is bad. It's ruining everything.
3: Well, I think when you consider, you know, Walt is one of my favorite Deep Space Nine episodes, which you all recently covered, and, like, just the fact that there were Star Trek fans who thought Gul was pretty great, that's you true. know, that would, that would teach you, if you were Iris Stephen Bear, you'd be like, I-, I gotta address this stuff more.
2: That's, the, that's a good point.
3: And what I and love... I mean, uh, oh, sorry.
2: I was You know, and I mean, I was a teenager watching this, and, like, you know, I don't think I fell into the... War is cool trap, but I did fall into the Section Thirty One seems cool <laughs> trap. Right, and then I'm like, wait a minute, no, they are the they're secret police, and they're never good.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: they exactly. wear nice
1: jackets though.
2: Oh, that I mean, hey, I will not fault their sartorial choices.
1: <laughs> uh, another interesting thing I read about this episode that was that the original plan for it was, was to be not Jake and Nog go get rescued and get, and hang out with this ship. It was Jake and Kira. But immediately there was the problem that obviously Kira would have just kicked all their asses and taken oh, yeah. over.
2: Right. Yeah, no, like.
1: Give them a spanking, send them to bed.
2: The fact that she's not Starfleet, be damned, she is clearly in charge. Yeah. I mean, she'd have had fucking waters on a leash licking her boots within 10 minutes.
0: Yeah. Hot. <laughs> I mean, the thing. That is. It's, like it's, a mirror. A mirror
2: exactly. To <laughs> Here's the thing. Everyone has a little bit of their mirror selves in them somewhere. Ah or it wouldn't be possible for the mirror people to exist i don't know what that says about jake since there's no mirror jake
1: that's true that's that's very interesting jake is the, jake is just pure in all forms yeah.
3: yeah well he he's also like he is such a uh, a man without a country and a, not without a country but like you know he's not in starfleet he's not bajoran he's on a bajoran space station in his father's starfleet he's always like a something who can't do something like he's a journalist who can't be a journalist cuz it's the occupation you know, mm-hmm. he's always... One thing I, I... One other thing I loved about Jake in this episode is he knows, like, everything he thinks is going to happen is true, but he's not, like, a diplomat, so he, he can't... Like, consider, you know, the, the scene in the uh, engine room where they're describing the plan. You know, mm. Jake should say something like, you know, you you don't need this. You already have accomplished your mission. You need to get the mm-hmm. data back to Starfleet. That's your yeah. mission. And what he says instead is, uh, okay, do you know who my father is? I, uh, he's the greatest strategist in the galaxy. You all suck compared to him. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, that, of course, that just gives Waters the chance to sort of whip off the smiling face and go full MAGA. And everyone's chanting I mean, Red can... Squad and, and, and Jake is just like rolling his eyes. And I love that you can, look. You can kind of see why he did that though. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, these people
2: like don't respect my opinion because I'm a civilian.
4: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: But my dad. Right. So, like, it its it kind of makes sense why he tried that tack. Again, that's it didn't true. work. But it does, there's there's a real good solid logic behind it. Yeah. You know, yeah
1: like the j- other issue is if they did go report back, say, here's the stuff we found, they would take away their valiant and they wouldn't get to go play valiant anymore. Exactly. Yeah.
3: Exactly. And
2: that's really, like, what water in Waters knows that. Yeah. Like, maybe the rest of the crew isn't thinking that way because they're too busy being enthralled to him. But he enjoys being fake captain. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah! Uh, but yeah, like Jake being a civilian perspective is great, and reminds me of—I've always felt like it would be great to have a Star Trek with a mixed civilian Starfleet crew. Definitely. Like obviously, the Valiant will always be all Starfleet because it's a warship. But like you know, I, I, it would be not, fun to see in a series. Just like yeah, like a lot of them still Starfleet. Like you want the oh, Starfleet? But to
4: see the enlisted men?
2: Not even that. Like just like. There's no reason your scientists have to be in Starfleet. So you're maybe saying you,
1: you love Neelix, I'm hearing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but it's like something like, you know, something like that, where it's like you're maybe your chief scientist is not Starfleet. You know, there's like they're this brilliant scientist, but they didn't want to be Starfleet. And they're like, do you want to come science with us? And they could go.
0: Yeah, OK. Isn't that kind of like Phlox?
2: Phlox? I mean, Keiko, you
0: know, like she was a botanist on a starship. Is but that like
4: kind of how Stamets is, too?
2: No, he's
0: he's he's, yeah, full he's Starfleet. He's Starfleet, oh, he? but he's like like more science than. Fleet.
2: Yeah, he is. He is pure like science. Starfleet. Like he is not interested in
0: any other aspect of Starfleet.
1: Yeah. If they if they ask him to be on the bridge, he'd be like, ugh, bridge. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> like a but Carol yeah,
0: that, Marcus type character.
1: That's yeah. The, oh, the, there you yeah, go. go. Yeah,
2: there we go. Yeah, like I'd I'd love to see more of that. Like in because I feel like that's really how a peacetime Starfleet would probably run is like. You know, we we need these mines. They don't want to deal with the, like, Academy bullshit. And that's fine, because then we never have to put them in charge of anything. And, you know, like even like, uh, can't think of his name. But the guy who was dicking around with the Traveler technically wasn't Starfleet. They put him in a Starfleet uniform for some reason, but they made it explicit he was a civilian.
0: Well, there was also the guy, uh, the Strategema guy. Yeah. Who was just like. Uh, And he wasn't science, but he was an expert in fighting, but he wasn't. uh,
1: Rami, I believe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: But yeah, so it's nice to have a civilian perspective and it would be nice to have it sort of just regularly part of a thing. But especially in an episode like this, where it's a very, you know, war focused episode to have this one person who's just not caught up in any of it. Not even like, not even the extremist version. He's not even in the normal version of this. He's just like, I'm just some guy who's caught up in the middle of all your bullshit.
1: It. I'm going to bring us back to a different thing. Yeah. Uh, just, just to make sure we briefly touch upon, and that's that weird cold open scene in Quark's bar. Ugh.
2: Ugh. And yeah. because
1: I so emphatically don't need that Quark still has a thing for Jadzia, because we have did that just recently with Bashir.
2: Yeah, why are we bringing these things back that we
4: were happy to have dumped? Don't I
1: mean, need them.
2: I mean, well, just- are
1: they doing it because
4: of what's coming? I don't even know. Maybe to remind us, like, hey, don't forget there's some people who are still carrying a torch for Jadzia Dax.
2: Maybe.
1: Because, like, you know.
2: Yeah. She She
1: can't be a character. She can only be seen through the lens of men. Mm. Well, I mean.
2: Yeah, it's pretty bad. I, one thing I did find kind of hysterical about that scene, though, was that apparently a malfunctioning drinks replicator means that it just replicates goo into its own innards. <laughs> yeah. like, it's just, it doesn't just stop working, it, like, catastrophically, was like... It,
0: uh, my assumption there was that it was like, that. those are remnants of spilled drinks that had mm, found their way into the mechanism, and that's why it stopped working.
2: Yeah, that would make sense.
0: Like... I, or I maybe can imagine like, a, a drinks replicator gets a fair amount of abuse true. just from having shit spilled all over it.
2: Maybe maybe part of the issue was drinks were replicating without the glasses. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, that could, oh. be, that could be gross. I mean, you just see it form. It's like, oh, there's a split second where it holds its shape like a fucking <laughs> Warner Brothers cartoon, and then... Pfft.
0: Or a baby Odo. <laughs>
4: Aw. <laughs> yeah, he tried so hard.
2: So I think what's interesting about this week... Overall, is that we're examining two different kinds of faith,
4: or oh, maybe yeah. multiple kinds. That's you know, it's like good.
2: it's religious faith in the reckoning. It's faith in this sort of system you're part of in Valiant. And actually, it's interesting. Jake in both cases is kind of like the Fuck voice this. of, huh?
1: <laughs> the voice of y'all are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it's interesting because, and it's
2: like. You know, he's a bit kinder about it in The Reckoning because he knows that it's important to his father. So he sort of wants to try to get it, but it's still like, this stuff scares me because it keeps almost killing you. And then with Valiant, it's like, this is insane and might kill me.
1: Yeah. Why don't I get a say in this when I might die? Yeah. Assholes.
2: Aren't I one of the people you're theoretically having this war to protect?
1: I know I had a, I had a note fairly early in the in the episode when Jake is here, not as a member of Red Squad, but very obviously still definitely here. And I say, wow, is Jake basically a prisoner? Dot, dot, dot. A couple scenes later. Oh, yeah.
4: Now <laughs> yeah. he is.
2: Yeah, it's it's but it's interesting because it's like you get to see, you know, there's there's Ben's faith, which is newish, but fairly unwavering. Kira's, which is rewarded. Kai wins wins. Failure, her her failure in the face of her test of faith, and then this sort of almost cultish faith on the Valiant. It's it's a really interesting couple of things to have back to back. I don't know if they yeah. did it on purpose, but it really works out nicely mm. during a viewing where it's just like wow. And, but except there's no real clear thesis between the two of them, just because of the way it all sort of works out.
1: Well, they're uh, they're still individual episodes. Yeah. They don't yeah. really they, they still let them stand on their own.
2: Yeah, but it, yeah, you yeah. know, if I was clever, I would sit there and really figure it out but i haven't had to write an essay in decades and fuck that also oh. if
1: our if our watch had like paired these differently we, w- we would be doing like valiant with prophet and lace or something and what's <laughs> that'd be a whole different thesis yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, true that would that thesis of that one would be quark is still gross
3: yes i think uh i think if there's a thesis to these it's it's what quark says no it's what nog says put it all down let people decide for themselves And, uh, yeah. And that is such the thesis for Deep Space Nine in particular as a a Star Trek series. And, you know, what, and then after saying that, Nog's, Nog, you know, delivers his opinion. You know, he may have been a great man, but in the end he was a, he was a bad captain. And like, I, I just love it. I guess Deep Space Nine's habit of like acknowledging all perspectives, but then picking one. Is very sort of pleasant to me. Like that's that's just good drama.
2: Yeah. Because like it's it's satire or commentary without the writer actually having a stance just doesn't work.
3: Yeah. You have to sort you know, of have a like, stance.
2: Yeah. You can't just fall into. Well, everyone's kind of right because that's just not true. Yeah. <laughs> like, or at least even if it maybe should be, that's not how the human brain works. And some ideas are inherently incompatible. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, I I bring this up a lot in talking about things, but like people who can't choose a side in the Inferno don't even get into hell proper. They spend eternity outside of it chasing a fluttering banner. And uh, that to me is one of the most poignant images in the whole thing. Mm. You know, it's like. Choosing a stance really is is important, and again, I think it makes for better art. Because if you just waffle, mm. you're either exposed as a hypocrite, or you create something that is bland and lifeless.
3: Yeah.
1: There was a there was a virtual play I watched early in virtual theater times, The State versus Natasha something or other. And it's a story about just telling like the backstory of a woman who eventually you, know, you learn has been convicted of a crime. And it's not not like the, the show isn't even about the crime. It's more about like her life and kind of the context of her life. And at the very, very, very end, when you've seen it, all the stuff that she talks about, this was on Zoom. So, it, you know, a little poll pops up, says, do you find her guilty or or not guilty? and Ooh. obviously fucking guilty and it shows you at the end like you know where the audience was split and it was like 67% guilty like 30 so percent not guilty and in the talk back someone asked how how does it usually get split like has has she ever been not guilty and they said no in fact this was the closest one Ooh. this wow. was the closest that this uh this poll has come <laughs> interesting
3: Well, that's that's kind of how it works. That's really neat, you know. I mean, I mean, we all sort of agree at some point, but no one ever fully agrees.
2: Yeah, I will say, you know, Carl, that write it all down, let the people decide, or whatever the exact line is, would be this episode title. But Caitlin already nailed it. Yeah, you done fucked up, my child. (laughs) Oh, that's yeah. I'm for that, but I want to let you know yours close second. (laughs) Nice.
4: Well, you could call it "You Done Goofed, My Child," or The other thing—that's too long. That's very long. Carl,
3: oh, he, I definitely, tried. Yeah. he definitely, yeah. Hey, he definitely done child. goofed. Oh god, yeah, super goofed.
4: Well, speaking of goofing, you would totally goof if you missed next week's episode of oh, Deep Space. Man. I mean, the Stardust by Shit, I done goofed. Ah, Boom. my child. <laughs> I,
2: I got to keep it though because that is probably our best segue ever.
4: Yes, best segue ever. You know, it's not going to be the best ever next week's episode of A Stardust Year by when we will be discussing Profit and Lace and Time's Orphan. However, it will be somewhat balanced out by the fact that Carl will be back and helping us to discuss. Uh, well, certainly two more episodes of Deep Space Nine. <laughs> accurate.
0: <laughs> that is one way like to describe them.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's uh It's true. <laughs> and, Speaking uh, of being
1: non-biased, <laughs> two episodes. <laughs> we'll
4: tell we'll tell both sides, and uh, you guys can decide. <laughs> yes. So, uh, in the meantime, if you want to hear uh, episodes you may have missed, you can find a, 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 a keep wanting to call it Deep Space Nine. Nope, you can find a Star is nearby where all fine podcasts are sold. We are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and oh no, not Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. You
2: yeah, can everyone, also find. Everyone us, keeps rebranding.
4: You can also Turn find us plus. on. <laughs> you can't find us on
1: Paramount Plus.
4: <laughs> you can also yes. find us on Facebook. God damn it! It's you amazing. can find <laughs> us on. <laughs> I now know exactly how Ames feels. You can find us on Facebook by uh, searching Astartus Dear Her by You can find us on Twitter and Tumblr at SSHB Podcast. And you can find us on our home on the web, SSHBpodcast.com. Until next we meet, I have been Caitlin.
0: I have been Jake. This has been Chris.
4: This has been Ames. This has been Carl. Thank you, Carl, for joining us again this week, and uh, we'll see you again next
3: week. Thank you very much.
4: Do you have anything that you'd like to plug for the listeners back home?
3: Um, I believe I should have some virtual theater out by the time this is uh, this is done, and you can find oh, it yeah. at uh, unreliable-narrator.com and check out the uh, Minnesota Digital Fringe Festival coming in August. Ooh, oh, that's nice. all right. Thank you,
4: Thank you, Carl.